I know that there are people here who have found joy. But there are people here today that I know are, are hurting. They're depressed, worried, just broken. There are marriages here that are being held together by a single thread. There are people here whose lives are spinning out of control. Real people with real hurts and real problems living in a cold, dark world, grabbing for some, some, some comfort, some belonging, and peace. So, if you're broken inside, welcome. If you have a landfill of past regrets, welcome. If you are hurting and alone, welcome. If you're clinging to hope, welcome. If you are desperate for forgiveness, welcome. If you're ready to praise the one who heals broken marriages, who breaks addictions, who gives life to the lifeless, welcome. If you're ready to run in the grace and the freedom of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who became broken, who became sin, who took sickness, worry, depression upon himself so that we don't have to be. So if you're ready to bask in God's unconditional love for you, welcome. We just sang, God, you're so good. Sometimes it doesn't feel like that. So I'm wondering today, how are you doing? How are you really doing? Not just the fake face we put on when we come to church. But if you're being totally honest, deep down inside, how are you doing today? It has never been more complicated, I think, in this time that we are living in to really answer that question with everything that is going on. So when somebody comes up to me and they ask me, how you doing? I stop and I pause and I wonder, do they really want to know how I am doing? Or is this just like your typical greeting, like, Morning, how you doing? I know as Christians or even even regular human beings, we shouldn't lie. But in this season of life, it is never it has never been more complicated to answer that question when people ask me how I am doing. I saw a post on Facebook and then some of you had seen it, I put it on the church Facebook page and it said And I asked, what one best word describes your emotional state right now? And some people said they were thankful, they were grateful. Some people said they were a little stressed. On the first post that I seen, one person said, numb. I just feel numb. There was a lot of people who said angry. I feel angry at what is going on right now. Some people said irritated. Anxious or afraid. So I sat and I thought, what one best word describes my emotional state right now? 
So many emotions have been going through my mind this past year. With everything that has been going on in the world and in our own personal lives. And I guess the best word that comes to me is unsettled. Shaky. Wavering. Aimless. So unanswered. It's even in the small things. Like it used to be so easy to go up and greet someone. And now we don't even know if they want us to look at them because of what is going on. Everybody's measuring it out. All right. Are you a strict six footer? Or are you saying, you know what? Screw it all and I'm coming in for the hug. We don't know. It's so complicated. We don't know how to approach. We don't know if we're going to shake hands, if we're going to fist bump, if we're going to do an air high five or what. And sometimes it's awkward. You're like... Hi, nice to meet you. Don't really know what to do, but hi. Small things like that. But it's also the big things that are making me and so many people feel unsettled. Like a lot of us, we really love our family. We're like, we really, you know, this is the time we get together. But this person is like, no, we can't see each other. And this person is like, well, I'm fine with it. And then we got to think about the economy. It's crazy right now. The racial tensions that are going on. The political divide. And everyone is so emotional right now. So I thought what we would do for at least the next two weeks while I'm up here is we are going to dive into the Bible and we are going to get a gospel-centered perspective on emotions. God has given us all emotions. They are from God. So today, what I want to do is I want to look at the emotions of Jesus, what he endured, what he felt, and let that help center our emotions. So we're not just reacting with our crazy human intentions, but ones that are spirit-led. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time that we can come here. We can worship you. Now as we look at the emotions of Jesus... Let those emotions lead us, and not just our own human flesh. Be our guide, be our comfort, and let us take trust in you. In your precious name we pray, amen. In the gospel it is said that Jesus experienced or expressed over 39 different emotions. Jesus was God in the flesh, but yet he was still human And he expressed the very same emotions that we feel sometimes today. So some examples. He expressed grief when he looked out over Jerusalem. And he saw the people that God loved so much and that they were so disconnected from God. He felt such grief for them because they were not experiencing the true life that he knew they could walk. Anger. We see he expressed anger when he went into the temple and they were selling goods and the Pharisees were making up these rules and regulations. He was so angry, he flipped the tables over. Joy. When the 72 followers came back to him and they were talking about that God had used them to make a difference, he was overwhelmed with joy at the faithfulness, not just of them, but the faithfulness of his father. Sadness. He expressed extreme sadness when his friend 
Lazarus died, even though he could have raised him from the dead. In John eleven thirty five, it says, Jesus wept. If Jesus wept and Jesus shed tears of sadness, I think it's okay for us to. And I think sometimes we forget that and we hold it all in. Agony. He expressed agony when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. It says that not only sweat drops of blood, but also blood tears ran down his face. He was in such agony on the cross that he said, Father, take this away from me. I don't want to die. But God, if it is your will, and only if it is your will, then let it be done. He expressed forgiveness in the face of betrayal when he died for our sins. And he even prayed for forgiveness for other people when he was on the cross. Well, today we're going to look at one other emotion of Jesus. What he feels towards us and what maybe we can help express towards others. So today as we dive into the series called Emotions... Today, this one emotion is personal for me. It's from my own heart, from my own feelings, and from my own personal walk this year. So today, we dive into the emotion of hurt. Where is God when I am hurting? So if you have your Bibles today, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 7. So will be our only scripture reference for today. Just We're going to stay here in Luke 7. Jesus had just finished teaching the Sermon on the Mount. And now this is a perspective starting in verse number 11 of Luke 7. It says, Soon afterward, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain, and a large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died was a widow's only son. And a large crowd from the village was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. Then he walked over to the coffin and touched it. And the bearer stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. Great fear swept the crowd, and they praised God, saying, A mighty prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people today. And the news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the countryside. The power of Jesus expressed through deep and sincere compassion. We're going to try to visualize what was going on here in this scripture. You see, Jesus was walking around when he stumbles upon a funeral procession. Obviously, this was going to be totally different than what we see today. There wouldn't be police cars leading the way. There wouldn't be a lot of people dressed up. They would wear what they had. And it wasn't uncommon for them to pay professional mourners to lead the way. What those were, were they were people who would get paid to lead the funeral. 
They would lead it. They would play their tambourine, their flutes, and they would wail as they were walking down the street in sadness just to show the grief from the person's family who had just passed away. So Jesus walks up on this very loud, very chaotic, and very emotional scene. There are some things we know from this small passage, and then there are some things we don't know. We don't know a lot about this poor, grieving, single mom now. We don't know how old she was. We don't know when her husband died, how he died. Was it an accident? Was he killed in battle? Was it some sort of disease? We don't know how old the boy was. We don't know if he was three or if he was 12. But we do most likely know that the boy had died the day before because they didn't have the embalming techniques that we have today. So because of that climate, they would bury that person right away. So you wouldn't even really have time to grieve properly and really think about what had just happened. The person died and now you're like, okay, we got to get him in the ground right away. So you can imagine this grieving woman who has already lost her husband and now it says she has lost her only son. Emotional, overwhelmed with grief and hurting. At her deepest moment of pain. At the point where she felt incredibly broken. Verse 13 says, the Lord saw her. What is crazy is that over 40 times in the gospel, it says the Lord saw someone. You would think that he would see everybody since he was God, right? But he saw her. Everybody who was there that day saw this woman and they would knew they knew that it was her from the emotional state that he was that she was in. But Jesus didn't just see her. He noticed her. For me, I try really hard to make sure that I notice things that are going on, notice people. It is our doorman and our securities team job to notice things. It is their job to notice if somebody pulls in the parking lot and they've been sitting out there for 20 minutes. It is their job to notice the new people or notice maybe something in the area or someone who might be a threat. That is what Sterner and Jerry are training them exactly what to do, to notice things. So Jesus here, he didn't just see her, he noticed her here a single mom whose only son has passed and in the middle of all this grief jesus noticed her he noticed her pain what jesus felt that day is the very same thing that he feels when you and i am hurting whenever you're afraid or your marriage is struggling when you're trying to pay your bills and you don't know how you're going to pay them, when you're praying for a child who is making stupid decision after stupid decision, or when you're just praying for a child, Jesus, Jesus notices that pain. When you're aching and hoping and believing for a better tomorrow, Jesus feels the very same things about you when you're hurting as he did for this woman. 
It says in verse 13 that when he saw her, his heart was overflowed with compassion. There wasn't even enough room inside his heart anymore because of the compassion, the love, the hurt that he felt for that woman too. The root word for compassion is splagna. S-P-L-A-G-N-A. It sounds more, to me it sounds more like an action than uh, a feeling. It's like, I ate so much last night, bleh, I splagnud all over the place. But that's not what it is. It's a feeling. It's deep down inside. It's from the gut. It's that gut-wrenching feeling. There is no stronger word in the Greek language to represent for compassion than this. Picture this. We're going to try and see what we can really think this splagna is. You're driving your car, and I hope this has never happened to you. You're driving your car, and up ahead, you see an accident. And right away, you're like, oh, man, you feel some empathy for that person or those people who are involved. As you get closer, you see that the first responders have the stretcher out, and there's somebody on it. And all of a sudden, you start to feel some sympathy for them. Maybe you're even praying, all right, God, I know you're the healer. I don't know what is happening, but put your healing hands down upon that person. And the closer and closer you get, you're looking. And you look over and you notice behind one of the first responders' cars. The car. But it's not just a car. It's a car that you know. You know the person who drives that car. Perhaps they're a family member, a close friend, somebody you love dearly. And all of a sudden you're overfilled with such compassion. And it hits you deep down inside. That's what Jesus felt that day. He saw her. He noticed her pain. And he felt it deep down inside. Like, I am in pain with you. I know that pain. I don't know who else needs to hear this besides me today. But God knows what you and I are going through. He cares about you more than you could ever imagine. He sees your pain. He hears the cry of your heart. He knows when you're feeling desperate and you can't even catch your next breath. When your heart pounds and you feel so much anxiety that you can barely breathe. He sees you. He knows that pain. He knows when you're praying and praying and you're feeling anxious and frustrated. The Lord notices and he cares. Jesus sees this single grieving mother and he hurts with her. And then in verse 13 he says, Do not cry. And he walks over to the coffin and he touches it. And it says, the bearers stopped. Now, this wouldn't be a coffin like we see today. It wouldn't even be a coffin like we see 100 or 200 years ago. More than likely what this would be, it would almost be like a wagon. So it would be a big slab of wood with wheels on it, 
the dead body would be placed on it, and most of the times they didn't even cover up the dead body. It would just be exposed. So Jesus walks over to it, and he touches it. And it was shocking. And it says everybody around looked at him, and it was so scandalous. Everybody would have (gasps) gasped that this man of God touched the coffin. You see, the Pharisees, they had these religious rules that they had made up. They were all concerned with the outside rather than the inside. They were a lot of talky-talky, but not walky-walky. They could talk the talk, like, yeah, this is what you need to do, but they didn't do it. They tried to show people that they were incredibly religious instead of living it out. They had over 600 rules in their book. And one was that you do not touch a dead body or you do not touch anything that touches a dead body. We can see this when we refer back to Samson being a Nazarite. And, you know, since he was a Nazarite, he wasn't supposed to do this. And he touched, he grabbed that scoop of honey from a dead lion. And so he was made ceremonially unclean. So they would have looked at Jesus as he was ceremonially unclean. It was almost like, you just sinned. Jesus did not. It was not a sin. This was just something they made up. So when Jesus walked over and touched this coffin, he became ceremonially unclean in their eyes. So he would have to go through this purification process of bringing Uh, sacrifices and everything. What I love about this is that Jesus knew that, hey, the Pharisees says, you know, we shouldn't touch anything unclean. So to me, that makes Jesus a line crosser. It makes Jesus a rule breaker. So if Jesus is a line crosser and a rule breaker, I think he would fit in pretty well here at New Hope. I'm up there with everybody. Yeah, he'd fit in pretty well here. But what that did, when Jesus crossed that line, it expressed something. Whatever line you feel right now is keeping you from God, what you need to understand is that Jesus will cross that line because he crosses lines For those he loves. Jesus is a line crosser. Jesus is a rule breaker. Because what religion does. Is religion draws lines. Sometimes with good intentions. There's a lot of churches. A lot of denominations out there. That have rules. They do it with good intentions. But they draw lines. And what do lines do? Lines keep people out where Jesus wants to bring them in. The tragedy is that sometimes that very line keeps those loved ones out. Say, well, I don't go to church because everybody's legalistic, everybody's a hypocrite, and that's what religion does wrongly. Religion, not Jesus. Again, a lot of it is with good intentions. And if that part of the church, if drawing lines and making up these rules and regulations, if that part of the church bothers you, well, it bothered Jesus as well. Jesus didn't want any line. He didn't want any external rule to keep people from experiencing him, his love, his grace, and his power. 
That's why we don't and we shouldn't here as a church. We shouldn't be drawing lines to keep people out. We should be crossing lines to bring people in. I love what this one church says. They say they will do anything short of sin to bring people to the gospel. To bring people to the love of God. We should be doing anything and everything possible, as long as it is not sinning, to be bringing Jesus to them. We should be line crossers. That's why we have decided as a church to stay open during this time where so many churches are just doing online services, doing parking lot services, because we know that not only do we need the gospel, but we need the fellowship. We need the accountability. We need to be looking at each other straight in the face and being like, I love you. I'm glad you're here today, Debbie. Josh, my buddy, I love you, man. I'm glad you're here today. We need to be line crossers. We need to be expressing that love of Jesus, not only towards our friends and family, but also towards our enemies. Jesus ignored the religious policies. He touched the coffin, perhaps maybe even touching the boy. No boundaries, no rules can keep Jesus from expressing the depth of compassion that he feels towards those who are hurting. Jesus touches that coffin. The crowd gasps. <gasps> How scandalous. How could he do this? But more incredibly than the crowd gasping, the boy gasps. <gasps> and he comes back to life. Whatever is dead in your life can be brought back with just one touch from the Master. One touch from the author of life. He brings dead things back to life. Just one touch, one moment, one word. Just one sense that He is not only with you, but He cares for you. What did it take? To completely alter this grieving mom. Just one touch. My prayer today is that there would be one moment, one word, one song, one sense of the goodness and the grace of God. That whatever barrier you feel has separated you from him that you will know that our God crosses lines to show his love for you. The Lord saw her. He cared and he touched. It would almost be impossible to describe the emotions now of this once grieving mother who was about to bury her dead son with nothing left. Moments before she had nothing left. Not only did she lose the last person she loved, but now she probably lost her whole support system. In this culture, as a woman, if you didn't have a husband or a son, your means of support were very scarce. As crazy as it sounds, 
women did not have the opportunity to create any kind of wealth or support for themselves. So she had two options. She could, one, become a beggar, standing at the gate, hoping she would get enough money or something to eat that day and depend on people for the rest of her life, or two, an option must much much worse than that. She would have to do things with her body that are incredibly unspeakable. And so Jesus touches and he picks the boy up and he carries him back to his mother. Not only does he give this woman her only son back, he also gives her her hope back. When I say this message is for me, this year has been a wondering year of asking, why God? For those of you who don't know, Allie and I have been having to have a child. And then it happened, we found out she was pregnant. And then a few weeks later, she had a miscarriage. And I'm not saying to get sympathy for anybody, I want you to know that even as a pastor, sometimes we stand up here and we say, why God? Why are you allowing this to happen? We serve you faithfully. So I struggle and I'm hurting and I'm broken and I'm angry and I'm frustrated and I'm confused And there have been so many songs recently that have ministered to me this year. So I want to share a few lyrics with you. I love music. And sometimes I feel that song is written just for me. Like, did they write those lyrics for me? Song called You Are, it's by Life Church Worship. And the one verse says, When it seems like the road is long, help me to sing just one more song. You are my healer, you are the answer. Jesus, you are. Even in the unknown, I know that you are good. Even in the waiting, you are good. Jesus, you are. And even in this waiting season, I have to remind myself that God is still good. The God of the mountain is still God in the valley. Brother Larry shared that this week, and he had no idea that that was in my message. And when I seen that post that he shared, it's like, wow. Thank you, God. You are the God in the good times and the bad times. Another song I heard just a few weeks ago, it's called Yes and No by David Dunn. It says, God, can't you see in the middle of me? In between, I am breaking. How can I get you to change your mind? That's all I'm saying. Deja vu begging you. I forget sometimes. You say yes. You say no. For my best, God, you know better than me. Better than me. 
And the last lyrics I want to share with you, it's called I Know by Big Daddy Weave. It says, you don't answer all my questions, but you hear me when I speak. You don't keep my heart from breaking, but when it does, you weep with me. You're so close that I can feel you when I've lost the words to pray. And though my eyes have never seen you, I've seen enough to say. I know that you are good. I know that you are kind. I know that you are so much more than what I leave behind. I know that I am loved. I know that I am safe. Because even in the fire, to live with Christ, to die is gain. I know that you are good. I don't understand the sorrow. But you're the calm within the storm. Sometimes this weight is overwhelming, but I don't carry it alone. If I could just share, stand up here, and share all the songs that have ministered to me over this past year. If we could just have a whole service of worship and listen to these songs, I would. There is a way that I can share them with you. I have a, made a Spotify playlist, and it's called Songs for Comfort. And it's a lot of these songs that let me know that God is still there. So if you want that, I can send it to you. I'll post it on my personal uh, Facebook page. It's just linked to an app called Spotify. You can go and you can listen to these songs. I want to encourage someone out there today who's thinking about quitting and giving up. Somebody who has been praying for years for things to turn around. You're thinking about quitting, and you're thinking about giving up, and you're folding and you're caving in. This is for you. You are in this storm. You are down on your knees. You're cold and you're weak. And you feel like this is the end. You have a choice to make to either give up or get up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Stay in it. Stay focused. When you fail, try again. And try again. And try again. You take one step at a time. It's hard, but it's worth fighting. It's worth believing. It's worth mustering yourself up. Standing up inside yourself, it's worth fighting relentlessly and never giving up. The sun is an awesome and wonderful thing. But the sun is not the only thing that causes things to grow. You have to have a little rain. You have to stop looking at the rain as something bad in your life. Your greatest moments don't come from your greatest moments. Your greatest moments come from your greatest defeats. Because it is enduring that defeat that you find a way to get back up. And say, I will not give up. I will not surrender. I will not quit. Stay encouraged. Keep your head up. There are going to be rough times. But they are not going to stay. It says that they have come to pass. I love what it says in Psalms 23. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Because where there is a shadow, there has to be light. So don't tell yourself, I'm having a bad day. 
Tell yourself, I'm having a character-building day. A faith-building day. A God-trusting day. Don't look at the night as darkness, but look at the night as a new beginning. When it's not God's time, you can't force it. But when it is God's time, you can't stop it. It is my prayer today for somebody who is feeling anxious or afraid, somebody who is feeling bitter or irritated and agitated and always on guard, or someone who feels just like me, unsettled. That with just one touch from God, that He would give you your hope back. Just one touch. So after the loss, I cried out to God many times, just pleading with Him, God, let me hear from You. Why? I know that You are still in control, but why, God, why? And I was listening to a sermon, and I heard one word. Steady. Just be steady. Be steady with your faith. When you're going to preach, preach with steady endurance, have steady confidence in the faithfulness of God. So if I have learned anything these past six months of hurt and discouragement of unknowing one word, that's all I need. Just one touch. So if I look steady, if I look okay, it's only because of the goodness of God. So how are you doing? If you could be honest and describe your emotional state right now, what would you say? Happy? Blessed? Thankful? Settled? Anxious? Afraid? Hopeless? Agitated? Frustrated? Cry out to God who is moving towards you as we speak. Whatever line you feel separates you from His goodness, just remember, He will step across that line again and again for you. He's a rule breaker who cares about you and there is nothing that is going to keep Him from pursuing you, from reaching out to you, to loving you from showing you His grace and His goodness. He's coming for you to show you that He notices you, He sees you, and He cares. He cares about us more than we could ever imagine. When this widow's only son experienced the resurrection, life that only God's Son could provide, There's nothing dead that God's compassion cannot bring back to life. So get your hope back. Get your hope back. Because He's coming for you and He cares about you. Just one touch. So Father, today we pray 
that in the name of Jesus, the one who is resurrecting life, that you would just touch those who are hurting, those who are afraid, those who are confused, and those who feel alone and lost today. Today, for those and those who are watching online, if you would just say, yes, I want to experience his compassion. I want to know that he cares. I want just one touch. If that's you today, just slip your hand up. If you're watching online, give us a little wave. If you say, I want to experience his compassion, just one touch. Father, I pray for those who feel like I have felt, like heaven was silent. Would you just crack it open and send one beam of light, one word, one song, one moment, one word of encouragement, one prayer, one scripture, and let us recognize it and heed to it. Let us see that you love us and you have compassion on us on all of us who are hurting and broken and afraid and lost. Let us now be line crossers and rule breakers like you and show your love and compassion to others. To those who are hurting today, God, reveal to them how much you have noticed them and how much you care. God, give them one touch. It says, anyone who calls on the name of Jesus, will be saved. You will hear their prayer. You will forgive whatever is dead in your life and come back to life. So get your hope back. A hope in God who is good. A hope in God who cares. A hope in God who notices. And a hope in God who sent Jesus so that you could know His love. In your precious name we pray, Father. The God of the mountain is still God of the valley. And when it's not God's time, you can't force it. But when it is God's time, you can't stop it.